The Your Mark on the World show is made possible by our sponsors, including Gate Global Impact and media consultant Mike Schwager. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. I'm a Forbes contributor covering social entrepreneurship and impact investing. And today we have a very special guest from Harvard, the uh, senior associate dean, uh, Robert Stephen Kaplan, who's also the former vice chairman of Goldman Sachs and author of the new book, What You Really Need to Lead. And uh, Rob, thank you very much for joining us. We're just thrilled to have you. Thank you, Devin. Great to great to be with you as always. I, I know that this is your third time on the show, and uh, we just couldn't be more honored or pleased to have you back. In fact, uh, as I was reminding you at the be- uh, before we pushed the go button this morning, that uh, you were the very first uh, person we've ever had on the show, and so it's great to have you back. Some nearly 600 episodes later. So, uh, Rob, tell us a little bit about the, the thesis of your book. It, it, I, I think what you're saying is that, that real leadership requires an ownership mentality. Tell us about that conclusion and, and how you came to that. So here's why I wrote this book. I, I, I've written two books before this, which is why I've been with you before. I thought I was done. And I get the most common question I get asked over and over and over and over and over again is, can I learn to be a leader? Uh, Can you teach leadership? Uh, Am I a leader or not? Gee, don't I need to be born with these skills? And I get this. I can't tell you. I know what people are going to ask before they ask it all the time, including people who've taken classes, graduated from Harvard Business School, read books, whatever. This book is intending to answer that question. And what I'm saying to people is leadership is not a magical state of being. Leadership is a function of the actions you take. It's a function of what you do. And you've got to learn and continually learn to be a leader. And yes, where you started, an ownership mindset is fundamental to it. It's not all of it but it starts with thinking and acting as if you were an owner. Now, really, I think the the conclusion I came to after uh, reading the book was that it's hard to learn to be an effective leader, but you can learn it. Tell us a little bit about what the real keys are to learn to be a leader. So the most important thing I've learned, not only can you learn, I would go further and say you must learn. So the key, key is for a lot of people, and maybe because of my background, I'm able to unlock this for them or give them permission. Uh, you've got to, tr- you. If, if something is, str- is a struggle for you as a leader, welcome to the club. I hope so. Uh, you've got to learn. You've got to ask questions. You've got to think and act like an owner. You've got to agonize. You've got to involve and uh, others. Uh, and you've got to focus on how to add value. And because the world is changing constantly and your job is changing constantly and industries are changing constantly, globalization, technology, I, 
there's 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 no industry I can think of where you don't have to think and rethink and think and rethink and develop and improve your skills. And everybody's got weaknesses. I don't care who you are. And everybody's got blind spots. You've got to work at it. And I think the most important message I'm trying to deliver in the book is stop saying I'm either a leader or I'm not, or gee, I'll wait until I get a big job. Then I'll be a leader. Uh, nah, sorry. Not the way it works. You can act like a leader and be a leader today, even though you got no direct reports, you don't have a big fancy title. And more than that, my own philosophy in my career, I almost, I never would knowingly report somebody. I would no, never knowingly promote somebody to a leadership job unless they acted like a leader first. I'm curious, Rob, you've had such uh, disparate careers. At least I feel like they are. Goldman Sachs, Harvard professor, very different roles. What have you learned at Harvard that you didn't know when you were at Goldman? Well, I'd say in my whole career at Goldman Sachs uh, and my current, even what I do now in leadership, because I run a venture philanthropy firm, I do other things. I tended to operate by gut and instinct. So I came up with lots of practices that I talk about in the book, and I kind of made them up as I went. There was no overall framework. I tried things that work. I copied things from people that I thought they did that was that were good, and that's what I did. Get to Harvard, and, and for the first time in my career, they kind of showed a little bit of a framework for lots of different things I used to do. And I look at it, and I realize, oh, now I get it. I get why I struggled with these certain things. I get why other things I did worked. So the most important thing I learned at Harvard was some, and I came up with some new frameworks myself, use some existing frameworks and learn to ask a different set of questions than I used to ask as a business leader. Uh, and I'll tell you, leading a case discussion as a professor is a fantastic training to be a business executive. It doesn't tend to be the career path people take because they're professors, but it's been the most fantastic training for me. When I go into boardrooms now or I'm in a business meeting, I'm 100% more effective because I think about framing questions that will get us to solve a problem. And I've got frameworks in my mind that I now follow, some that I even develop myself after I've been doing it long enough that allow me to go from diagnosis to what to do to how to do it and solve problems. So now I'm to the point where I think I can solve anything. When I was at Goldman, I thought I got pretty good instincts and I can solve a lot of problems for a client. But from a leadership management things, there were certain things where I just say, boy, I don't think I know how to do that. I think I do now. Well, Rob, most of our audience is really kind of focused, as I mentioned at the top of the show, on social entrepreneurship, impact investing, philanthropy. You are. Uh, you, you've been on the show to talk about your venture philanthropy, amazing work that you're doing. But how do you apply these leadership skills specifically in the social good arena? How would you apply them in your venture philanthropy work? So everything we look at at Draper Richards Kaplan, we've done now uh, in excess of 80 new ventures. I'm always looking for the same thing. We look for, and, and this ta I take this from, what's the impact of the venture? So for me, that's what's the vision. When I talk about vision, priorities, and alignment in the book, I'm always looking at how's it add value that's distinctive, and it, can I get excited about that? That's the first thing we look at. 
Second, we look at, is it in alignment? Is the model that they're using, does it work? For example, there are some problems in the world that people are trying to solve, but the model is such, it's so expensive to solve them. I think this could have a great impact and I'm excited, but this model is not the way to do it. And then the third thing I look at is, the, is this a leader? Is, it, is Do we have a leader here? And what, what I, for me, a leader means, is this somebody who thinks and acts like an owner, but more importantly, can create an organization of other people who think and act like owners. So uh, the problem you have a lot in social entrepreneurship, as well as in for-profit business, you have a great innovative person, but it's all about them, and nobody else feels a great sense of ownership, and they don't even know how to create ownership. And so the organization fizzles out, even though it could have been great. We're looking for leaders who not only can uh, act like owners, but can empower other people through, you know, how, who they attract, uh, delegating, uh, the way they, they, they think about every element of the organization. We help them to create ownership. Great organizations are built around a nucleus of people who think and act like owners. It takes more than one. And we're looking for a leader who has the capacity to do that. That's a great insight for us to take away. Now, Rob, you have had a, a, a long career where people have been looking up to you forever. You're, you're used to being a role model. Yeah. But uh, who do you look up to as a role model? Lot, lots of people. That uh, First of all, in my career at Goldman Sachs, there were lots of people I worked with that, that I had great res respect for. Uh, and I rattle off a number. John Whitehead, who just passed away, actually. Uh, John Weinberg, Steve Friedman, Bob Rubin, Hank Paulson, uh, a number of people I work with that thought highly of. Um, there are lots of people, uh, I think very highly of Nathan Noria. I think very highly of many of my clients, a guy named Joe Neubauer who ran Aramark, I think is fantastic. Uh, I think Bill Draper, I'm a little biased, He's, I'm partners with him, Robin Richards, I admire them greatly. And so I don't have to, to, to admire somebody that doesn't mean I'm going to try to be like them or clone them. And I used to kid around about Hank Paulson. If I tried to do some of the things he does, I would, they would kill me. But, but I learned some of the things he did that would fit me. And I tried to adapt all those people. But even I watch public figures. I read about Winston Churchill, even though he was not alive. Uh, I, uh, Douglas MacArthur. I, I read about the presidents. I read about people who are nonprofit leaders, every walk of sports figures, name it, everyone, Lou Holtz, the, the, and I, John Wooden, you know, and you take from those people and say, wow. I, and, and the thing they all have in common, by the way, is I, I believe they think and act like owners in a way that adds value to someone else. And yeah. I think that's the one thing they all have in common and by the way, you, in terms of my careers, in a way, seem di disparate, but that's the theme of my career. I'm trying to make an impact. When I was at Goldman Sachs, I'm trying to make an impact on clients, build a great firm, help the community, ideally, although some people would be shocked to hear that that's, but yes, and I did a lot of nonprofit work inspired by leaders at Goldman, and that's what I'm trying to do at Harvard. It's just another vehicle to make a big impact. Well, that, you know, that's a perfect segue to my next question. You, you, you left Harvard, you left Goldman to come to Harvard and, and you've, you've been doing the work uh, with your, your venture philanthropy. And this is really a, an interesting uh, transition. And, and I get that you, you did 
uh, noble, charitable, high impact things at Goldman. But why shift your your career in such a significant way? Because clearly uh, Harvard is a, a powerful way to give back uh, and, and your venture philanthropy, again, powerful ways. And I'm sure it's not limited to that, your books as well. Why have you become so focused on giving back? Well, I, it's not because I'm a saint. I'm not so focused on, I, I tell you what I'm focused on. I'm focused on trying to do things that I believe matter. It could be for-profit, doesn't have to be non-profit. It could be not-for-profit. But I'd like to ideally leave the world in a better place than, or things that I get involved in in a better place than I, than I first saw them. And so that's actually been a theme for my whole career. Uh, the reason this change, a, a lot of, to be a, to be a great uh, investment banker, takes a lot of the same skills uh, people find it's hard to believe that it might take to be a great professor. Uh, and so both these professions were great fits for my skills, strengths and weaknesses. And for a long time, and certainly Harvard is a little clear for me now, I, can, I feel very confident I can make an impact when I get out of bed every day. You may see me do one more thing after this, which it wouldn't be shocking to see me work in the government. Uh, because that's one other arena I haven't done yet. So I do have a, a I guess, an itch to scratch where yeah. I'd like to try it there. But I could see myself going back and doing more in the business world in the future. Absolutely. Doesn't have to be nonprofit. And, and, but I love, listen, I always taught at, at Goldman, coached people. And, uh, and I, I've now learned how to do it at a much higher level at Harvard. But I think a lot of skills I'm learning at Harvard, I also feed back into the business community. Sure, absolutely. Well, I want, if you could, to extract one specific tip, perhaps from the book, something that you do every day that we can emulate that would enable us to have more impact, do more good in the world. Okay, so uh, there are lots of them. And depending on the person, the situation, I'll give you one that I think is, for me, universal. I ask the same question. If, I, if, you're, if you're out there, you're an individual, uh, you're running a company, you're running a nonprofit, family, what is it you're trying to do that's distinctive? How is it you're trying to add value that's distinctive? Now, some people listening may say, who are you kidding? I'm just trying to pay the rent. And I totally understand that. And by the way, I grew up, my father was a jewelry salesman, and I, we went, you know, I didn't know that stress. I lived through it growing up. But, but even in that case, my father did some fantastic things as a jewelry salesperson. I used to watch him. He had two or three things he felt like he added value to uh, customers he was selling. And, and he used to put them so, himself in their shoes and give them advice on what he thinks they ought to buy. I say to everyone, whatever your line of work is, your Devin Thorpe, your, and, and I, what is it you do? How are you trying to add value to someone else that's distinctive? And, and that's where I'd start. And then the second question is, do you think and act like an owner? And what do I mean? What do I mean by think and act like an owner? Everybody gets used all the time. What does it mean? What do I mean is pretend that you have to think about all the key constituencies, not just your narrow point of view, all the key constituencies that you'd make as a decision maker. Put yourself in the shoes of the decision maker. Okay? What are all the issues you got to worry about? And, and try to add that value uh, and, and as an owner. 
And I think you'll make, you'll push yourself harder to, uh, to do more, stretch more. You know, there's a saying I quote in the book from from some of my friends who are Navy, Navy SEALs. If you know the why, you'll figure, and I like it. If you know the why, you'll figure out the how. And so, but for me, what you're trying to do that's distinctive, that's the why. At thinking and acting like an owner basically says it matters figuring out the, the why. Take ownership of that and how to do it. And I think you'll get a lot more satisfaction from whatever it is you're doing. That's leadership, in my opinion. Well, uh, Rob, where do people find the book? I guess it's not on sale until September 15th. Is well, that right? It's just now on sale, apparently on Amazon. They literally just printed. In fact, I just—I was just showing it to you. I just got my hands on it. I just saw the book for the first time yesterday myself. Yeah, uh, grab it. Do you have it there, right in front of you? Still, yeah, us. There we go. That's Take it. Advantage of the medium. So um, uh, it, you can order it now, and apparently there's a few day delay on Amazon, but you can get it on Amazon. That's probably what most easiest thing for most people to do. Fantastic. Well, Rob, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us. We certainly wish you continued success in all that you're doing. And thank you for being with us. Thank you. You're doing a great job. Thank you. All righty. Let's do some good. At the intersection of financial services and social media, Gate Global Impact, GGI, uses new market infrastructure to facilitate investments in organizations that deliver a societal, environmental, and or a cause-related benefit in addition to a financial return. Mike Schweiger promotes authors, nonprofits, and humanitarian organizations. He also writes speeches that inspire, and he helps prepare leaders for appearances on major national TV talk shows. Learn more at MediaMavens.com or TVTraining.tv. Call him at 954-423-4414. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devonthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.